Good morning, Harvest Point. How are you doing today? Good morning. Hey. All right, so we're going on with our New Year, New You um, series here, and I started thinking about some things, and uh, this year, like every year, I did my resolutions. Who else done any resolutions? All right. Who's all kept their resolutions? Nice, nice. All right. Well, <laughs> the interesting thing is, my resolution, I had many, but my main one, of course, everybody knows, is time management. So that, that's the one that I was really working on. But, um, but no, I'm I working on these resolutions, and um, the interesting thing about a resolution is most of the time, they fail. So what kind of resolutions are the top resolutions? Well, I, I looked it up a little bit, and there was a, uh, an actual Twitter poll they said, what are the top resolutions that people make on, on uh, New Year's? Well, diet and exercise, of course, is the main one. But to read more, well, that one's not me. I get too ADD for that. Uh, to learn something new, maybe a language, maybe a trade, something. Just, just learn something new is number three. Number four is to save money. That is another one that I try to work on myself is to save money. Number four, or number five, I'm sorry, to be a nicer human. That's, that's an interesting one. Um, uh, <laughs> we need a lot more of that. Um, the next one is to get a new job. That's a big life transition. It's like I'm done with living in, within this scope. I want a better job. I want something that makes me happy. A lot of people switch that up. Um, to give more time and money to charity. I think that one kind of goes in with becoming a better person in their own mind. Um, they feel like that helps them get to that place. Uh, drink less. Um, yeah, that's definitely one of them that everybody needs to look at. Sleep more. Something that a lot of people aim for, but most of the time that's one of them you're going to be failing in. Um, and then, of course, make new friends. There's a lot of people, including myself, who I may be very talkative and, and talk to people, but I generally don't go out and find new friends. So that, that's, that's, I think it's a lot of us. Um, so they, they, they resolve to make new friends. Well, like I said, the problem with resolutions are a lot of times we mess them up. As a matter of fact, there's some statistics done by Psychology Today. It says 50% of the people make resolutions. Of those 50% of the people, 22% fail after one week. So right there, 22%, almost a quarter of them gone after one week. I did better than that. I lasted two. Um, so 40% have failed after one month. So almost half of the people after one month, that's just too much. Just too much. All right. After three months, that moves to 50%. Well, the, the, the jump isn't as big. So if people are learning to live with their new resolution, so that's a good thing. After six months, 60%, 60% of the people no longer hold true to their resolutions. All right, and the last statistic I have is after a year, usually 81% have abandoned their resolution for the year. That means that less than 20% actually achieve their resolution. Well, the funny thing is when you do resolutions, it's usually something that if you don't get there, it's okay. It's just something I'm shooting for. 
So you start thinking about, why, why do I make a resolution? Well, some of the, the, the biggest reason why people make resolutions January 1st is because it's a new year, new year, just like the uh, st- sermon series says. New year, new you. It's a time to make a, <clears throat> excuse me, a brand new start. Well, it's just perfect. I mean, you can start on these little things and everything, but then in your life, there are times that you have to make serious decisions, major decisions, and it doesn't fall on January 1st. It falls when something happens majorly. And those things are things like, you know, when you hit rock bottom, maybe an addiction, maybe uh, relationships. When you've hit the bottom and you said, there's nowhere to go but up and I have to change where I am. If I don't, there are going to be dire consequences. Maybe it's we open our eyes to something. Maybe it's, wow, have I been living this way my whole life? I never looked at it from another person's point of view. And it shocks them. And they say, I've got to change this because I don't want to be known this way. I don't want to be this person. And then one of the major ones is life and death. Whether it's diet, it's like you need to lose weight or you're going to die. Whether it's you need to quit eating sugar or you're going to die. Whether it's you need to quit drinking, you're going to die. These, these are some of the reasons, major reasons. Now, with a resolution, you break a resolution... It's no big deal. We could try it again next year. But with these things, these are major things in your life. Major consequences happen. The problem with that is, just like the resolutions, we fail. We fail all the time. And we're going to fail. Let me just set this up a little bit. There's a, this is a video, a testimony of a man who spent his whole life partying and playing guitar for the band Korn, if anybody's ever heard of it. It's a hard rock band in the 90s. They were on top of their game. This band was selling out shows of thousands and thousands of people. This band was not what you would say is a Christian band, okay? One of their, na- their main songs, the one that everybody knows them for, is called Adidas. That is an acronym for All Day I Dream About Sex. That is the band we're talking about. It was nothing but debauchery on on tour. Uh, The guys were having fun. They were young and stupid. And this testimony is about the guitar player. His name is Brian Welch. Each one of them had a little nickname. There was Monkey. There was Head. There was uh, Fieldy. Well, his name's Brian Head Welch, if you ever heard him. That's what they know him as. So just watch this video real quick, and then we'll go from there. So in my head, I was like, okay, I'm gonna accept Christ in front of everybody right now. Then I'm gonna go home and snort drugs until I don't wanna do them anymore. And that was my way of thinking. So I received Christ at the church. I went home, neglected my daughter and put her in front of the TV. I remember I grabbed a $100 bill. I always used a $100 bill for some reason, pride or something. I chopped up my crystal meth, got it all smooth and powdery and I snorted a big old line, and I held the bill, and I looked up, and I said, Jesus, if you're real like that pastor said, then you gotta take these drugs from me. Come into my life, come into my heart. And I just got quiet. I said, search me right now, search my heart. And I stayed silent, and I said, you know I wanna quit. You know I wanna be a good dad for this kid. She lost her mother to drugs. 
and she's gonna lose me if I don't quit. Amen. There's a high when you go on stage and you see all these people like just loving your music and loving you and stuff and there's these girls and all these people going <sighs> worshiping me. When you see all those people just going nuts for you, it's like, you know, it, it puffs you up inside. You're like, you know, I'm important. That's where drugs can creep in and, you know, cocaine or whatever, methamphetamines crept in. And, it all came from after drinking for me and, and my friends, and uh, it seems like fun in the beginning. It's a lie because it, it it turns around on you. It starts to wear on your personality, starts to wear on your relationships, and everything is affected by it negatively. Everything. There was a, a few times where Life seemed good. My daughter, Janae, she came into the world and I was like, it was just such a, a euphoric feeling. I thought my life could just feel like that forever, you know? It was like a, it was spiritual, just, I didn't know what was happening. I just felt so much love just fill my emotions. And I thought I was gonna be happy, but, uh. I just couldn't, I couldn't stay sober. I didn't know how. I hit rock bottom. I had swore that I would never do methamphetamines again because I saw what it did to my child's mother. It, it just took her feelings away and made her leave her kid. I just wanted her dead. I wanted to kill her. I thought she was a scum of the earth and uh, you know, how could she do drugs like that and let it, let the drugs win her like that? So I never was gonna do meth again. I ended up with a everyday crippling addiction to methamphetamine and everything that I said about my ex-wife came true for me. I sunk to the lowest gutter I could ever think of. I would spend time with my kid and I'd still be on it because I needed it to function. I'd get up in the morning, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and snort meth and then take her to school or whatever. It was just, I was a junkie. I started losing my mind. This guy would show up at my house with like a gun and stuff. And then I ran out in Europe, had my drug dealer just crazy. send me drugs through, through the mail. I'd be tweaked out in my hotel room watching this package come from the US. It was just <laughs> nuts. My life just was like spinning out of control. Janae had come out on, a, on one of the tours in the US. I just remember me. her skipping around the house. She's singing one of our corn songs called Adidas. All day I dream about sex. And I'm like going, what am I doing? I'm a junkie. My daughter's singing all day I dream about sex. And uh, I'm gonna die. Father? My uh, real estate broker, Eric, he, uh, he said, Brian, I don't mean to be weird with you. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I, f I felt the scripture like jump out at me. I've never done this before, you know, so I don't really know how to do this, but I felt like this would mean something to you. It's Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I remember all 
tweaked out. I looked up in the dictionary, wary. I looked up burdened, and I just I pulled the scripture apart, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm wary and burdened, and I need rest for my soul. And uh, I didn't know if it was real, but the, you know, they invited me to church a couple couple weeks later, and I received Christ at the church. I went home, neglected my daughter, got it all smooth and powdery. Jesus, you got to take these drugs from me. Search me right now. Search my heart. Father, I felt so much fatherly love from, from heaven. And it was like, I don't condemn you. I love you. I love you. It was just love, love. And instantly, that love from God came into me. It was so powerful that the next day I threw away all my drugs and uh, I quit corn. I was like, I'm quitting corn and I'm gonna raise my kid because my kid, like I got the love from God coming to me and then it came out of me to my kid. It changed me, my heart was changed like that. And I was like, Janaya, daddy's gonna be home with you all the time. I'm quitting my career. And her face lit up and she's like, for me? You know, she felt so special and uh, God used her to save me, to save her life later on. My dream came true way more than I dreamt about. I, got, I made more money, I played bigger shows, I mean, houses, cars, I tried drugs, I tried sex, I tried everything to try to get pleasure out of this life. And I thought that I could fulfill my life with all this stuff by, by having my dream come true. And it came true, but it didn't fulfill it. When Christ came in, that feeling, he gives you the gift of understanding life, which is everything was created for Christ and by him and we're created to be with him. And it's the most incredible feeling because you're where you belong. And contentment is given to you in life because you don't have to look anywhere else. And you're exactly where you need to be. And the question about life is answered. I'm Brian Head Welch. For me, um... I was a kid of the 90s. I wore the Adidas pants. I was into corn, Deftones, all that. These were my, 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 my heroes. Um, and I accepted Christ when I was 15 years old. And I pushed that kind of music away a little bit. Still hung around with some of it and all this stuff, including corn. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember being at a, a summer camp for the youth group. And we were listening to corn in the room, and my youth pastor had something to say about that. But I remember it's, it's so pertinent to the situation because Brian Welch was the class clown of the group. He's the one who would party foul all the time. We'd knock over the, the beer, and he's like, oh, I'll drink it off the floor. Ha! He was a partier. That's what his life was about. His identity was in that. And I love watching these testimonies of people who God has really changed their life. But when I watch these videos, when, 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 I first, when I first started seeing this video, I showed my youth, and we talked about how just saying one thing to someone could change your life. 
That real estate agent didn't have to give that verse. And he didn't do much other than being a good person and gave him that verse. You don't know what your impact on somebody's life could be. How insignificant it is, you don't know how grand it is in the grand scheme of things. So that's what the lesson I got out of it before. But then one of the things I start, I see uh, testimonies like this and I say, but God, these people, they accept you and things go so much easier. Their life is transformed. They have such a fervor for you, such a, such a passion for you, and they talk about how God has made their life better. And I get jealous. And I go, but God, I know, yes, you have made my life better, but I'm struggling with this. How dare you? And, and, and as I've gave my testimony before, I ran into a time to where I was angry with God. But I'd see this and I go, how did he not get angry with God? Well, this video was done in 2012. What happened when he left corn was in 2005. Okay? There's seven years in there. We don't know what happened. Well, just recently, last year, uh, Showtime released a documentary done by the same people, I Am Second, where they documented his relationship with his daughter, Jenea, from when she was a baby to current. And this was a very raw, when I say raw, I mean this was a raw cut of what was going on. They, they would uh, talk, about, talk to the band whenever he left. Go ahead and put the graphic up. Of, this is uh, Brian and his daughter, Judea, now. Um, but Loud Crazy Love, um, I watched it. It is a fantastic documentary. But again, there is language. There is subject material that is very, very strong. But it's an honest look at what was going on during that time. So you see the testimony, but you don't see everything that's going on. So in 2005, he left the band Corn. When he left, he said, I can't be around this anymore. I want to get my life straight. I need to raise my daughter. And he left the band. You can imagine the feelings that his band had towards him. You've abandoned us. You are our friend. How dare you do this? And he cut ties. And at that time in his life, he had to. Because it was so easy to go back into that. Well, he goes and he becomes super Christian. He goes out there and tells everybody about Christ, and he's hopping, and he's happy, and, and he's going to fire for God. And this, this is in the documentary. But he replaced one addiction with another. He was addicted to Jesus, which you would think, oh, that's fine. That's great. Focus on Jesus. But through that, he started neglecting his daughter. When he was writing new music about Christ, he was neglecting his daughter. Whenever he uh, would get angry because he's trying to convey something or trying to help somebody out, his anger got the best of him. He'd punch holes in the wall, but he's still a Christian. And he struggled just like you and I do when we make our resolutions or life changes. But you don't see that in the testimony. And I think we get envious of testimonies. And they're great things. They are fantastic things because you can see where God has brought somebody from and to. But you also need to see what happened during the journey. So it goes on. It talks about uh, how his daughter started resenting him because he was putting everything first. 
he would get angry. He would, he would give up his money to these organizations that he really wanted to get the gospel out, and they would rob him blind. He went from being a millionaire to scraping up change for his daughter's lunch at school. And he talked about that. And he would get so mad at God. And he would say, he would cuss God out. Being a Christian, he'd cuss God out and say, why are you doing this to me? I gave up my career. I gave up everything for you, God. And you let this happen. And his daughter saw this. And he kept falling. And he kept failing. Even though his intentions were right, he kept failing. And I see that in our lives too. We can have the greatest intentions, but we're weak. Just like the resolutions. We're weak. And God says, quit doing this on your own. I know you think you're doing what's best for me, but why don't you listen to me? And during that time, he started changing some things about his life. He started focusing a little bit more. He started calming down a little bit. Because as a new Christian, you'll see a lot of new Christians who are on fire for God, but they'll burn the place down. Okay? So he started calming down. He got a little bit wiser. He started slowing, slowing about his speech a little bit. And he, he realized he could not provide the care for his daughter that she needed, the structure. So he ended up, she went to a Christian boarding school. And they worked on their relationship. This documentary is about their whole relationship. Well, by the end, he has found peace and he has found the balance that God wanted him. In 2000, let me see, <laughs> I want to make sure it's right. <laughs> 2013, a year after that video, he was at a Christian music, I mean, he was at a rock concert, I'm sorry. And he was, his band was Love and Death, a Christian band. And P.O.D., which is another Christian band that's kind of crossed over into secular, was there. And they were there as his, their guest. Well, guess what band was on stage? Corn. So it was an opportunity for him to go see his old bandmates, knowing that the hard feelings that they had. And he went and talked to them. They saw, his daughter Janaea was with them. They saw the reason he had to leave. And he made amends. And he was stronger at this point. He went back to them. They said, hey, guy, you want to surprise everybody? Play with us tonight. He goes, I think that'll be fun. By this time, Fieldy, the bass player, has become a Christian. And he's been in the band. Jonathan, the lead singer, still a diehard atheist. Okay? Goes on stage. Everybody goes crazy. Oh, my goodness, the band is back together. The band becomes so happy because there is a gelling that hasn't happened in years. Seven years. So he talks to his daughter. Uh, through this, he decides he's going to rejoin the band. Because after every show, people would talk to him. He talked to him about his testimony. And he got to reach people he never would have reached before. But he couldn't do it at that time. He had to go heal. And then he went back at it. He thought his purpose was to go out and give everything to God and give his money, and that's how God was going to use him. God says, I got my own plan for you. I just want to worry about you cleaning up your life. Well, I started thinking about it a little bit. There's someone's uh, life that kind of parallels a little bit, not so much, but um, parallels a little bit, and that's Paul. I mean, you look at Paul's life. Paul goes from persecuting Christians, hating Christians, to going out and being one of the most prolific missionaries ever. I mean, to tell you a little bit about Paul, I mean, <laughs> Paul 
I don't know if you realize this, Paul is credited with 14 of the 27 New Testament books. 14 to 27. Okay? That's half of the New Testament. He wrote. They're letters to the church. All right? So then also, he did many missionary journeys. Um, <laughs> uh, Lucas, we talked about this last week. Lucas loves the song, I would walk 500 miles. I'd walk 500 more just to be the man to walk 1,000 miles. He walked a lot more than 1,000 miles. In his journeys between him walking and riding the ships, it is estimated that his journey was anywhere from 10 to 15,000 miles that he did in his lifetime serving God. And just like that testimony, you go, wow, I want that life. But see, the Bible is very clear that when you have that life, there are going to be things, there are going to be obstacles. Some little things that a lot of people don't realize about Paul is, you know, he suffered in three shipwrecks, three, not one, not two, but three shipwrecks. He was in prison multiple times. He was beaten. He was persecuted a lot. And the whole time, the letters he sent to the church was not, beware church, there are evil people out there. He said, be encouraged, church. Even though this is going on, even though I'm being persecuted, even though this is going crazy, God's working it out. God's got a plan. That was the power of the message that Paul brought. One of the things it talks about is Paul had a thorn in his side. There's many different debates on what the thorn could have been. Okay? It, some people think maybe it was the persecution. Maybe the persecution that is his thorn, is the reason why it caused him to be so humble. Some people think it was a physical ailment. Some people think, you know, Luke was there to be his physician. Um, some people thought it might be a seeing problem because there's a lot of verses that talks about where he didn't recognize people that he should have, and after he, the scales fell off his eyes, he still had some, some sight problems. So there's many theories, but we really don't know. But... Uh, I want to go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether it was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things, that, things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. This experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do that. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be, I would be no fool in doing so. But I would be telling the truth but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So I am 
glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, that I am strong. Paul learned that lesson, that when he tripped and failed, when he failed just like those uh, resolutions, he got back up and he tried again because he couldn't do it with his power. He had to do it with God's power. He had to go by God's command. And then God showed himself through the weakness. Because if he was, a, if Paul didn't have any problems, if Brian Welch didn't have any problems, if we didn't have any problems, then it looks like that we have it all together. But we don't. He does. And that's the message that I think that we need to take from when we hear people's testimonies. And when we hear that, you know what? I wish I can be as strong as that person. Guess what? That person's not strong. They're weak. God's strong. And when we get that message that no matter what we do, we're going to fail, I think it will change the way we look at what God's doing in our lives. Um, I want to go back to the verse that uh, Brian talked about. All right? That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That verse is such a powerful verse. I actually mentioned it when I gave my testimony also. When we can't handle it anymore, that verse comes to mind. When we say, all right, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it my way anymore. God goes, it's about time. When are you going to start doing it my way? I'll give you rest. I'll take that burden from you because that's not your burden to bear. It's mine. So whether we are struggling with losing weight, whether we're struggling with um, reading more, or whether we're struggling with something more deep like addiction, like loneliness, like hatred, anger, fear, those things that keep creeping up and stopping us from doing what God wants us to do, if we're struggling with that, we need to understand that it's not through us. It's through him. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go ahead and close this with prayer. But guys, I'm just going to say, if you guys have not accepted Christ in your life, one, what are you waiting on? God's not going to sit here and smack you across the face. He's going to give you little things and say, now's the time. Now's the time to change that, to let that go. We can't wait till January 1st to let this stuff go. If there's something in your life that you need to let go, now's the time to do it. If there's something you're struggling with, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to not be okay. But we have to give it over to Christ. We can't do it ourselves, and we need to understand that. So as I close this in prayer, God, just uh, pray with me, Lord. Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for each and every person in here today. God, it is such a big task to try to change our lives. It is something that, that we can't do on our own. It's our pride that gets in the way and says, we can do this when, when it's your power that helps us to do it. God, reach into everyone's heart here and let them identify what it is that's holding us back from doing what you want. Not from what we want, but from what you want. Lord, be with everyone today. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.